Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I went silent over the summer because I did not think this day was possible, or at least I didn't think this day was going to happen on time or on schedule or anything like that, but it's here. It's here. I mean, I am sitting here Thursday night, 615. I'm an hour and a half away from kickoff of the 2020 season between the Titans, excuse me, the Texans and the Super Bowl champ Kansas City Chiefs. And we are three days away from our beloved Chicago Bears taking the field at Ford Field against the Lions to start their 2020 campaign. I went silent over the summer because I didn't think it was possible, or at least I wasn't, I didn't have faith that it would come true but here it is and the week one preview episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by bet online the wait is over football is back you might not be at a game this year but you can still bet you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And there you have it, guys. Um, the last hurdle to clear before we start playing actual real football games, uh, not that any actual non-real games have been played uh, up to this point, uh, no preseason, no nothing. We're just going in, you know, head first into the cold, deep end of the pool here and, and see how it all uh, hashes out. Um, we brought our good friend Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit to help us preview the last of the NFC North teams, the Detroit Lions, and we dabble a little bit on week one. There's not really much with no preseason uh, or anything like that to kind of dwell on what's going to go down uh, on Sunday, but this serves as our week one preview as well as an education on the Lions themselves. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. It's myself, Jeremy Reisman, previewing week one and the 2020 Detroit Lions on the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. One last hurdle to clear between now and week one for the 2020 season for our beloved Chicago Bears. And it's uh, doing this Detroit Lions show. I figure that uh, we saved them for last because... uh, not only have we not had a chance to talk to uh, our good friend Jeremy Reisman from uh, Pride of Detroit, but they're our week one, so I might as well just save until the end there, and we'll do this week one thing and then talk about the 2020 Lions. Jeremy, welcome back, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's, it's week one. I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I still can't believe it, but uh, yeah, it, it's starting to swell in me a little bit, and so uh, 
you know, we're recording this right you know, 24 hours essentially before the kickoff of the season. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's starting to feel real. There is this inherent excitement because the calendar says that we're, you know, less than like 24 hours from now will be about, I don't know, five minutes into the first quarter or right. so, I would say yeah. at this point, uh, which means that we're four days away from us kicking off in Ford Field. Uh, you guys going to have fans or no? No fans for the first two games at no least. No fans. Will you, Mr. Uh, Pressbox Privileges, will you be there on Sunday? I I have access if I want it, but I'm okay. starting to warm to the idea of maybe just sitting this one at home a little bit because we're still not going to get locker room. Um, we'll we'll just get like exclusive Zoom calls that I can't access from home. Ah. And I'm not sure that's worth it for me, honestly. To I, I kind of want to cover the game in sweatpants again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I can't say I blame you. It's like if you're not going to get, you're not, not going to get full access to, uh, the way that you would the year before. Uh, I don't blame you. Uh, right. But, and, and plus, there's like a, an environmental aspect that that won't I won't get there either. Oh, I mean, it's fun sure, to be man. at the game because the crowd's there and you, yeah. you you feel the energy. That's not going to be there. So, I don't know just like. All the the positives that that aren't there this year kind of make it seem like I, I know it's a privilege to be able to go to these games, but at, at the same time, it's just it's not the same. Yeah, I, I get what you mean, man. I, I don't I don't uh, I don't fault you for it because you know not only do you, you know you're not going to be able to to have the access you would the year before, but like you said, it's it, the atmosphere, it, it's being there, it, you know, the fans, the whole experience, uh, and everything. I mean. Of all the sports in in the sports world, I feel like football is most dependent on a crowd. I mean, outside of that and, yeah. like, maybe pro wrestling, do you, like, really <laughs> need a crowd yeah. to get the full experience uh, and everything? Like, I've been watching the baseball games. I've been watching uh, some basketball games. And, yeah, I mean, the crowd is missing. That's that's for sure. But it's it's not quite as an ingrained element of the experience like it is with football. Yeah. And I think part of it is just there's so much downtime in, in a football game where, yeah. you know, there, there's 40 seconds between plays. Everyone's watching replays. Everyone's cheering. Everyone's yelling at the ref. You're not going to get that. You're just kind of have people standing there in this quiet for 40 seconds in between plays. And it's going to be kind of fascinating. I'll definitely go to at least one game this year just to kind of witness it and see what it looks like. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 definitely not going to be the same and not going to be as good uh, a, a live experience. It also brings into question, and I talk to pretty much everyone that I've spoken to up to this point, does home field advantage actually mean anything this year? You know, I mean, does the home team have any advantage other than the fact that they slept in their own beds the night before? Because without the fans there, without having to try to quiet down the crowd or, or anything like that, does home field advantage really mean much in this upside-down world we're living in this year? It's it's a really good question to ask, and I, I think you're right. I think it's not going to exist as much. Maybe the one thing that, that will still kind of hold is replay, right? Like the, the people still working the replay on, on the big screens are still going to be, you know, putting up replays of, of plays that favor the home team and, and not for sure. away teams, you know, if there's a controversial call. That'll be right up on the big screen right away for the home team, not for the away team. The, the other big thing I think, and I actually, I think I heard an NPR podcast about this is officiating is probably going to look a lot different. Um, there are studies out there that show that 
officiating tends to really carry for the home team. And a lot of the reason for that is because they've got 70,000 people booing at them when they make a bad call. (laughs) And without those people booing them, there's a really good chance that they're going to be more impartial during a game. And obviously that sounds good. Yeah, right? That would be great if it actually becomes true. Um, I'm sure no fans will ever believe that. You know, they'll they'll get a quote unquote bad call and uh, and and you know scream that they're being victimized and only their team is being victimized. But um, if you look at from a uh, kind of an objective viewpoint, maybe maybe we'll see some more you know even calls each week. It it, it does still feel like I'm being extra optimistic in that regard because officiating has had so many controversies yeah. in the past 5, 10, 15 years. But uh, it, it's something to look out for. Yeah, like I'm, I'm sure that you'd probably have trouble convincing a Saints fan that that's, <laughs> right, that's you gonna know, that, that, that would be, uh, you know, a, a, a truth that, that you're speaking there. But uh, we'll, we'll, I, we'll go with everyone else being okay with it. And like, yeah, well, it sounds like it could be an equalizer without 70,000 drunk assholes screaming at you in the <laughs> – in the middle of the football game like that to throw the flag or you want to throw the flag so you can hear yourself think between plays and everything and not having, you know, all those Superdome screamers out there right. uh, going we'll, at you. We'll get a, we'll get a really early litmus test for the Lions fans at least uh, because we're going to be in uh, in Lambeau in week two mm. with no fans. Yeah. So uh, I'll be very curious to see what happens there because Lions fans are, are 100% convinced that the Packers get unfair treatment, especially at home. And we all know what happened last time the Lions played in Green Bay on Monday night with all those illegal hands to the face oh, at, the, at the end yeah. of the game. So, uh, yeah, I, that'll be something I'll definitely be watching in, in week two just to see if, if any of that becomes true. Well, you know, week 15 last year, the Bears had a very, very similar situation where we got hosed on a call. And bang, bang, it didn't look like a play. It, it didn't look good. Let's just put it that way. And it was on a... It was on a punt, and we kicked the ball away, and the uh, Cordell Patterson, you know, was the great special teamer for us last year, is yep. a gunner uh, on the punt team, and the ball gets there, he hits the guy, clean hit, no leading with the helmet, no nothing that, pops him, he fumbles the ball, we recover, and instead of it being a, you know, first and ten for the Bears at midfield, it in turns becomes, you know, a Green Bay penalty on sportsmanlike conduct or whatever, 15 right. yards, and they go on a short drive to one of their touchdowns uh, afterwards. It's like when you run it back and you look at the replay, Patterson could not have timed it or performed any better than right. he did, and Green Bay got that call. So, you know, is it because they were in Lambeau? A lot of Bear fans believe that that's probably true, or is it because it was a bang-bang that most referees would have gotten wrong in the moment we'll never know because it took place in green bay and that kind of stuff always happens in green yeah bay. right so yep hopefully uh, not this year yeah hopefully not this year <laughs> you're right because without home fans there maybe they would take us take a beat before throwing a flag instead of like oh whip, 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 there we go the yep. lambo faithful won't like that one so let's just get a flag out there and we'll have a conference and talk about it before actually making the call and be like what'd you see i didn't see anything what about you and I don't know, it just looked bad. How did it look from your angle? You know, that kind of thing. Maybe they'll take a beat before they, A, throw the flag, and B, you know, maybe they'll lean more towards the middle before making a final decision and, and making the call that goes against one team or the other. So Imagine a world like that. Imagine. Imagine <laughs> that. So, 
But, you know, Jeremy, 2019, aside from those crazy moments with the Packers, um, was, a, was a really odd year for you guys because the, the first five weeks of the season were really exciting for, for Green Bay. I mean, aside from that week one, we'll call it a game against the <laughs> – because I saw a lot of it. It was a late afternoon yeah. game. Yep. Uh, you know, obviously the Bears had played on Thursday night, so it was one of my options for the weekend to watch that – game and it wasn't very exciting it uh, you know going back and forth it was the story obviously was Kyler Murray starting his first game and and how is that going and uh, the the it was the one the Lions had a lead and they blew that one right oh they had a significant lead it was like a a 28 to 10 or something like lead into the fourth quarter and yeah yeah the Cardinals come roaring back they take it to overtime time expires so you start 0 and 0 0 and 1 because you got a tie Uh, on the board then you come out the week later you beat the chargers who were the 12 and 4 defending afc west champs then who was week three uh week three oh you're testing me here yeah uh because it it was odd because i remember when i talked to you for the first time it was like you guys are losing games you should win and winning games you should lose right should have lost to san diego and you should have won the week after but you lost and and it's like it just looking yeah. at the tail of the tape, I can't remember who week three was. It was it was the Eagles. So they, okay. they beat the Eagles on the road in a in a very sloppy game. So they yeah, they come in, they they host the Chiefs at two zero and one. Right. Okay, so they won back to back games on that yep. then. Yep. Okay, yeah. So there it was. You go into Philadelphia, one of the more hostile crowds you'll find in the NFL, and you beat them pretty well, actually, yeah. uh, in that game. Then you give the Chiefs all they can handle in that game and in fact if not for a really weird fumble recovery touchdown yeah. late in the game you guys probably win that one yep. and then it's like i think you had did you have an early buy is that what yep. it was yep. and that then was of course right the the green bay debacle yep. uh, and it's like the wheels came off after that game because 100%. after starting two two one and one you went one and eleven the rest of the way down <laughs> Yeah, and and that's really a good way to describe it. I, I know we're obviously skipping a a big reason for all of that, and that's Matthew Stafford getting injured sure, halfway through sure. the season. Yeah, but in a way, it felt like everything had collapsed already because after that Green Day Green Bay debacle, the Vikings come out and just absolutely destroy the Lions at Ford Field, um, and then the game Matthew Stafford's last game was was a not very competitive game against the Raiders, where the Raiders looked like the better team. Lions had a chance at the end of, to to tie it, but um, failed. And then, yeah, Stafford gets injured in that game and just gone after that. The, I, I think really the turning point was probably that Green Bay game, or you could maybe even see that say that Chiefs game. But before that, the defense looked okay. I mean, they they held Kyler Murray in check for three and a half quarters of that that first game. They hold the Chargers to ten points. Really, if you look at the, that Kansas City game, I know the final score was thirty-four to thirty, but um, Patrick Mahomes was not having his great a great game there, and no. so it looked like it looked like Matt Patricia had finally turned the defense around. And then after that Green Bay game, it just shut down. No, no hope on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, the lines were were really hamstring without Matthew Stafford. Eventually, starting a, a rookie, an undrafted rookie for five the last five games of that season, so. It it really fell apart quickly after what looked like a a really really promising start. Yeah, because like like I watched that game against uh, Kansas City and it was just like man, 
because uh, I think the Bears were playing a late game. So they, the Kansas City-Detroit was my early game uh, that weekend. I think that, that was week four. So we're playing the Vikings, and that was a 3 o'clock start for some reason at home in Chicago, which is – I don't know why they would do that, but they did. <laughs> and But it's just like I'm watching the Chiefs and Chiefs and Lions, and it's like the first time we've seen Pat Mahomes look human yeah. on the offensive side. He's making mistakes. He's doing this and – you know, that kind of stuff, it's like, wow, it's like the Lions. Because it, like, it really made you can't walk away. And you, you hate to sound condescending when it comes to the Lions, but they haven't had been a very successful team uh, over the years, especially recently since they let Jim Caldwell go, just like they went off a cliff all right. of a sudden. So from, from the, being that steady team, like 8-8, eight and eight, that's, your, your, that's your balance. That's where you start, and then how the season go decides whether the scale tips one way uh, or the other. Patricia comes in. It's not going very well. He's trying to mold everything into the New England way, and it's like, okay, we we have the have they turned a the corner? They're two zero and or two one and one at this point. They should probably be three one and one if not for a fourth quarter collapse, or three and one if not right. for a fourth quarter collapse against the 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 Cardinals. Here is like maybe the Lions have turned a corner because you came away wondering, did the Lions have a good day or did the Chiefs have a bad day? Right. Uh, in this one, like, you know, how how do I, you know, uh, legitimize what happened here on Sunday? Which one of these teams is turning the corner? It turned out neither. The Chiefs were going to come back and be the Chiefs. And unfortunately, the Lions were going to go on lioning for the rest of the season. <laughs> Until eternity, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I was it was, like, it I, was, it was just going into that bye week was kind of surreal because you're right. The Lions are, are two one and one. They very well could have been four and oh. You're right. Absolutely. I mean, like, yeah. And and granted, every fan base plays that game, right? Like, oh, you know, if this one play would have gone this way, or these two plays would have gone this way, we would have made the playoffs. We would have won the division. But like, realistically speaking, the Lions outplayed the Cardinals in, in Week One, and you could argue they outplayed the Chiefs in this game too. So they really could have been four and one at the bye or four and zero at the bye, and instead they're two one and one. And you're wondering, like, yeah, you're wondering that exact thing. Was that just the the Chiefs off game or? Is the line, you know, are the lines finally now in a in a position where they can contend and 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 potentially win some of these games against contenders? Because there 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 were a lot of skeptical Lions fans at that point, I think, because we've been to the place before where we can contend against a team like the Chiefs, a Super Bowl contender, but we can't win those games. I mean, Matthew Stafford for as long as his career is, has always been can't win the big games, can't beat the great teams. They'll, they'll throw around the same record that they throw around with, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, against teams with winning records in the fourth quarter, blah, 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 you know, all those crazy, very specific stats that no one is good at. But it's always been the rub on the Lions, even even when they were, you know, at their best in, you know, 2011 or 2014. So they couldn't win those big games. And so this felt a little bit like that same old story, and then, of course, it did turn out to be the same old story. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I came away very impressed with the Lions because, like I said, I watched that game, and it felt like the Lions just matched the Chiefs blow for blow in that one. And it very much almost felt like one of those games of Madden where whoever has the ball last is going to win. Yep. And it just turned out to be one of those games where whoever makes the fewest mistakes is going to win. And the Lions made one more mistake than the Chiefs did, and that's the mistake that ended up costing them. Uh, the football game so it's like that's why I was kind of like yeah I mean it could because then two weeks later you come out on Monday night and you know you're giving it to Green Bay in 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 Lambeau uh, yep. when they had started out the season so tough so it's like yeah maybe the Lions are for real oh flags 
no flags and okay from the, that's not a flag i don't know why they're throwing and green bay wins the game oh well okay and then after that it's just whoosh, right off the right off the side yeah uh, after that because i was looking at the schedule and i was a a weird like view i was getting on my phone when i was looking at it earlier and i was like this can't be right they didn't did they lose the last nine game so i had to like go back and like look at it and pull yeah. it up on the browser view and i was like no no that's yeah they did they lost yeah. the last nine games well holy cry i couldn't believe yep. that and you, you throw away that kind of meaningless win against the giants it would have been 12 straight yeah 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 i mean that was the thing because it's like i mentioned you know you guys started two two one and one and you finished one and 11 the rest of the way it's like yeah there's there's gonna be a streak and streak or two in there when you when you lose 11 out of 12 right so yeah but uh you know it's um so what was what was the feeling because i didn't get a chance to talk to you after uh the season you know it's like with patricia and and how things like he had an okay first year uh and then a way worse second year was he was he given a lot of slack because no matt stafford and and things like that from the fans no I think right. the fan, a lot of fans were just like, this clearly isn't working. We, we need to start over. Um, I mean, this team was 9-7 and seven in back-to-back seasons before he was here, and now they've won nine games total in two seasons. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of Lions fans were just kind of fed up. They're just like, this Patriot way never works. It's very clearly not working here. Yeah. Let's start over. Um, but the Lions also went through an ownership change this offseason. Martha Ford stepped down, and her daughter Sheila Ford-Hamp took over. So... Um, Sheila Ford Hamp was part of the decision that decided those that both he and um, general manager Bob Quinn would stick around for another season. Um, they're completely buying into the changing of the culture takes time argument. And maybe there's some validity of that. I'm not going to dismiss it right away because the Lions have absolutely gone through a very drastic culture change. The kind of people that they brought in here, the kind of people they've been sending away um, very clearly that they want kind of the don't talk to the media, don't have too much of a personality, nose to the ground kind of guys. And now I think they have all those guys. So at this point, I think Lions fans are in the position where they're just like, well, he's out of excuses now. He's got his players. He's got his coaches. Let's let's strap in and, and see what happens this year. But if it doesn't happen this year, whew, he's going to be hotter than, than hot at this point um, if he's not already. Yeah, I mean, and the last of those guys to go being Darius Slay, who, yeah. who basically might as well have posted a, a a meme of of a slave breaking the shackles when he got traded, yeah, uh, to Philadelphia. I mean, it it was just like he had been released; he was now free from you know what he had to deal with with Patricia uh, and the Lions. Yeah, and he he wasn't alone. The, the Lions traded away Quandre Diggs in the middle of last season. Yeah. He had a very very similar reaction. Um, you can even like every now and then you'll see those two kind of make reference to their time in Detroit, kind of like that, you know, breaking free of the chains type of imagery as well. And, um, you know, snacks asked to, to be released this, this off season as well. It wasn't quite the same situation. He just felt he didn't fit defensively. Doesn't have quite the same personal vendetta that, 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 uh, Darius Slay clearly has with him. So it's it's been a rough 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 transition and when you see other teams make a transition from coach to and, and culture changes and and see it happen in in a matter of months or a matter of um you know one year and and seeing what this team had 
in 2017, they had potential with Jim Caldwell. They had talent with Jim Caldwell. And Matt Patricia tore it all down. And maybe maybe it was worth it in the end. You know, if this team does become not only a contender soon, but a consistent contender, you know, that that's always been the the rub on the lines is you'll you'll have one ten and six season, you'll have one eleven and five season, but then you'll follow it up with a four and twelve. Yeah. And so um that's that's what they're selling you on, is they're selling you on consistent competitive nature and and a consistent culture that that brings winning that draws out winning on a consistent basis even with roster overturn um we just obviously haven't even seen the beginning signs of that yet so color me skeptical color most of lions fans skeptical but this year is going to be pivotal for everyone so if they can prove that you know there's light at the end of the tunnel maybe they can hold on to their jobs but they've dug themselves into quite a hole in two years yeah, uh, that's for sure. I mean, and, and I know that, um, you know, Lions fans in division have watched this thing happen back to back years. New coaches coming in with a with a smooth transition and immediate success yep. in 2018 with Matt Nagy. And then last year with. Um, why do I keep forgetting his name? <laughs> the oh gosh now you LeFleur. got me forgetting too. Matt LaFleur, LeFleur there you go there, like I forgot it the whole time I was talking to Evan Western I wanted to say. <laughs> Uh, and the whole time with his with his coaches, I could not remember his goddamn name. Uh, <laughs> and then he finally mentioned him. Thank you, Lafleur. That's it. Um, but yeah, back to back, new coaches come into the division, take yep. their team by storm, win the division, go to the playoffs, and and so, I mean the Packers were, you know, a buzzsaw meeting with the Forty ers away from the Super Bowl, uh, last year. Yep. And here it is, like, well, how can they do it? Especially, I mean, and, you know, let's be honest here. The Bears are on the same tra- tra- trajectory as the Lions as far as, hey, we're going to give you a 12-4 and four season, but then we're going to back it up with 6-10, 7-9, 8-8, that kind of thing. So we, we tend to, like, our, our steep isn't, our fall isn't quite as steep as the Lions can, can be at times. You go 11-5, and five and then the following week is 5-11 f- five five and 11 the year right. after that. It's like the Bears don't necessarily go that deep off the – off the edge when it when when they do that but it's very similar in the fact that we can't stack these successful years together which is why everyone thought lovey smith walked on water uh you know year two and three because he went back to back 11 and 5 13 and 3 he went from 4 and 12 his first year to 11 and 5 his second year 13 and 3 is and a super bowl his third year it's like well obviously this guy's the next great chicago bears coach and then that's when things kind of went downhill for him there, but you know, but it's just like the consistency is something that's eluded the Bears as well as the Lions. It's it's not easy. There there are not a lot of teams. Which I don't think you can count. I, I think you can count them all on on one hand, maybe two hands. Um, but there's not much more than that. And it, it's what everyone is seeking. And it's why it's why the Patriots model is so is, is so um, alluring. I guess yeah. you know. It's why so many people continue to try it, even though it hasn't seemed to work for anybody outside of uh, New England. But, you know, people will keep trying to find find whatever works. Yeah, I mean, aside from you got New England, um, Green Bay, let's be honest. Um, yep. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yep. Pittsburgh. As far as like year in, year out, successful, you know, in contention for the division, if not winning it, I mean – New England's got like a 15-year AFC East streak on the line this year, their first year without Brady under under center. And there's still a good chance they'll win it anyway. So, um, you know, we'll have to see. 
uh, about that. But it's like like you said, you'd have a hard time filling up your hands. And it's like I'm I'm three teams in, and I'm pretty much out yeah. right now. Like as far maybe as like, Seattle. Well, well, you know, I mean, and there's other teams that are in the conversation, like uh, like New Orleans sure. has been a more consistent team since Sean Payton uh, took over there. But it's like you look at you know Baltimore. The, yeah, you, well, Baltimore, sure. Yeah. Uh, you look at the NFC East, and that's an up and down carousel type of division. The only thing that's truly consistent is that Washington always seems to be somewhere near the bottom. You know, and they have a random, you know, successful season where they win nine or ten games, but more times than not, they're on the bottom looking up, yep. uh, kind of thing. The NFC North, usually it's just Green Bay, but you know, I think Minnesota's more consistent than Chicago and, and and Detroit as far as their wins. But you know, the Lions and the Bears like to make it interesting every once in a while. Then in the South, the Saints. Yep, that's pretty much it. Yep. And then out west, recently. It's uh, they seem to be going. They they go in spurts in the West because you had the Harbaugh yeah. years in San Francisco. Yeah. Then you know the 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 Seahawks uh, have been a little bit more consistent than them. Uh, before that, it was the Rams that were year in and year out on top, and uh, even the Cardinals had their run uh, as well, where they were the division champs and they won three four divisions in a row and uh, and things like that. But that consistent year in year out in the last twenty twenty years or so, it's 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 Green Bay. It's Pittsburgh. It's New England. That always seems to be in the conversation. And outside of that, it's here, there, here, there for every yeah. other team involved. So Absolutely. It's not easy. Those three teams seem to make it look easy. Even when they struggle, they seem to bounce right back to where they, to where they were. And when you're, when you're New England, a down year for you is 10 and 6. Right. So that's how spoiled those people are out yep. there. It uh, still makes me sick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a, a bad year is a wild card berth. That's that's <laughs> a bad year in New England. So those bastards. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of of uh, culture changes and, and and getting you know bringing in your guys, um, that is what uh, the twenty twenty season or twenty twenty off season I guess was aimed at. Yeah. For the uh, for the Lions, you know, cutting Darius Slay loose uh, and sending him off to Philadelphia. Unlike the Quandre Diggs trade where they practically gave him away, what did they get in return for Darius Slay? Uh, I believe it was a second and a fifth, or third and a fifth. God, it's been so long, or it feels like it's been so long. Yeah, It's I know. something like that, yeah. It, it's like a, it's a day two and a day three. A day two and a day three. And how, how are fans feeling about that? Because I know that there was probably more of an emotional attachment than, you know, like – I mean, he's, he played on a 3-12 and 12 team last year. How excited can people be or, or, or whatever? I mean, what, what was the feeling when that trade actually happened, like trade versus compensation? I think everyone agreed at that point that the compensation was probably the best the Lions could do. Okay. Um, once Darius Slay made it abundantly clear he didn't want to be here anymore, um, that tends to hurt your trade value because yeah. everyone knows you're just trying to unload a guy. Yeah. Um, but – it. In general, I think that's not horrible value. He he wasn't coming off his best year. You'd love to, you know, if if you're trading Darius Lay, you would have loved to do it at the peak of his career and potentially maybe even gotten a first round pick out of it. Um, but given the circumstances, I think everyone understood that was probably the best they were going to do. That being said, people were obviously still pretty upset. Now he was coming off a bad year, but talented guy, a guy that did not rock the boat at all for the first six or seven years of his career in Detroit. Suddenly he's a big problem. Suddenly he needs to go and you see that and you combine it with the fact that Quandre Diggs had to go and you combine it with the fact that we've had 
other players say Matt Patricia was was too mean or too foul or you know didn't like his players enough or whatever you know ran them to ran veterans too hard when when they aren't used to that sort of treatment and a lot of people would be would say like oh that's what this franchise needed they needed someone to kind of whip everyone in shape and all that sort of stuff so there was a bit of a rift between Lions fans but at the same time seeing all these talented guys go Quandre Diggs was a guy who was beloved by fans a guy who who never had any sort of sense of rocking about a, a fifth a fifth or sixth round draft pick who always played with a chip on his shoulder always was extremely nice to the media always just like seemed like a very humble guy and to see him go out on a, a sour note with this coaching staff I mean and and you throw it all on top of a, a three 12 and one season and you're like maybe the problem isn't Darius Slay maybe the problem isn't Quandre Diggs maybe yeah. we got to look inwards here and so I think that was kind of the overwhelming majority of fans when the Darius Slay trade went down. It's like, how did we get here? How yeah. did we get to a point where one of the most beloved, two of the most beloved players on this Lions franchise have become so disenfranchised with this team that they needed to be, go out and suddenly we're loading up on draft picks instead of talented players and, and, and heading backwards. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely brings into question what, what exactly is uh, you know, going on here. I mean, I talked briefly with um, with Lauren Cox about when we were talking about the the Jaguars. Like, what yeah. the hell is going on in Jacksonville? Yeah, that people absolutely cannot wait to get away from that place now. Whereas, like two three years ago, they were one bad half of football away from going to the Super Bowl, beating the Patriots in Foxborough and going to the Super Bowl. And here we are now. I think like Miles Jack is literally the only guy left from that team. Uh, in 2017, they've gotten yeah. rid of everyone else with Ngakwe and and Fournette leaving just this month. Um, that pretty much purges the rest of the team. Everyone else is gone uh, right now, traded away, given away for nothing, released, and all that kind of stuff. Jacksonville has had a fire sale for the last couple yeah. of years, you know. And granted, I'd love to be the Jaguars in 2021 with, you know, they got two ones and two twos and a couple of threes and you know all that kind of stuff to try to build up for but what they had to put themselves through to get to this point and still have to go through the 2020 season you couldn't pay me to root for Jacksonville this year <laughs> yeah I mean so. it, it's hard not to look at that situation and feel like it's it's happening on a lesser scale in Detroit like obviously Detroit was never that talented they didn't make an AFC champ or an NFC championship game or anything like that but in a way it, it does kind of feel the same just like this this uh, outpour of players that are just like I can't, I can't handle it here. Get me somewhere else. And yeah. it's not everyone. And, and it's probably not even fair to say it's a majority of players. It probably isn't. Um, but it, it, there is a reason why Matt Patricia is bringing in a lot of players that are familiar with him. They're familiar with what's expected of a Patriot way kind of, uh, atmosphere. And, uh, you know, w it, it does seem like the situation in the locker room is, is, is definitely better because of it. So whether it all pays off this year, again, it's, it's something we just have to kind of wait and see, but there's plenty of skepticism abound right now. Well, um, I know you're probably, if you had a chance to read it um, this week, I believe so, this Monday's uh, Monday morning quarterback for uh, Peter King, mm -hmm. you guys are making the playoffs, week, <laughs> according to Peter King. Hey. Uh, with the Bears and the Packers not making the playoffs yeah. this year. I was like, um, okay, uh, we'll see. Like, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a soft spot for everybody in the division except for Green Bay. You know, I would love sure. to see the Lions win more. Uh, I've always had a sentimental attachment to the Vikings ever since they 
traded for Warren Moon when I was in high school because Warren Moon was my favorite player after Warren, or excuse me, Walter Payton mm-hmm. uh, retired. So I kind of had a thing for the Vikings where I had this brief love affair with them for a while. And just the Lions being similar to the Bears and as far as their frequency of success, I've always had it out for the for the underdog. Like I'm sure. looking forward to see what the Browns can do because not only – you know, are they? Do they seem to be kind of fixing things? But they went back to their old uniforms, and they don't look ridiculous uh, <laughs> anymore. They don't look yeah. like they stole a high school football team's uniforms before they uh, took the field. So we'll see how that works out uh, for them. But you know, I, I'm, I'm I, I've I, I really would like to see the Lions win some football games. Uh, you know, and 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 with that uh, going forward, it, it just it'd be more fun that way yeah if the, if the division would be a lot more fun if it was more uh competitive year in and year out as opposed to well green bay had an off year but they're back and things make sense again in the nfc north i don't want to live in that world anymore right so i would much rather be in a division where we're taking turns and because you're the one team that hasn't won an nfc north division title since it became the nfc north thank you for that reminder yeah that's true <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just that I, I had a conversation the other day, and I was – you have to know this. If you don't, I'll be very ashamed of you. Do you know who Mike Utley is? Yeah, of course. Okay, great. Because everyone else that I've talked to seems to have forgotten that little period in time as far <laughs> as who Mike Utley was and what his injury propelled the Lions to do yeah. that year. You know, mm-hmm. the, I, I don't remember what point in the season that it happened, but I know it was like the 91 season that that happened. Utley gets hurt. Yep. He does the thumbs up as he's being carted off the field. Yep. The next thing you know, the Lions are one of the best teams in the NFL. They're one of the best teams in the NFC. They, you know, the thumbs up deal becomes their rallying cry, and they make it all the way to the NFC championship game before they run into the team of destiny that year, which was the Washington Redskins, and they get run off the field uh, in the NFC title game, unfortunately. But you know, they did all the things that they have trouble doing in that season. They won the division. They won a playoff game, for Christ's yep. sake, and go to the NFC Championship game before running into Mark Rippon and, and Art Monk and, and Gary Clark and all those guys in the Redskins, um, you know, and their season comes short. It's like having a rallying cry, having something to, to get around is not something that can be ignored in, in, uh, in the NFL, especially in an emotional game like football, so... 100%. But, uh, when I brought that up, it's like Mike Utley. You know who Mike Utley is? No. Who's Mike Utley? Shame on you. What's uh, the matter with you? Right. It's like one of the great NFL stories is, yeah. you know, the Lions doing what they did because they were rallying around Mike Utley and everything. And it's about time somebody knew who. Well, of course, it had to be a Lions fan that <laughs> of I course. finally go to about it. But, right. you know, it's like somebody help me out here. So. And then right. the the prologue on that story, of course, is that the Lions haven't won a playoff game since. <laughs> Well, they won their first playoff game since Bobby Lane was quarterback. True, and, true. You know, they haven't won a playoff game since uh, since then. But uh, you know, that's we'll, we'll we'll push that aside now that we've mentioned <laughs> it. But but you know, Spurs, you know, changing culture and bringing in new guys, um, and a couple of more New England Patriots joined the team this year. And defensive tackle Danny Shelton and and Jamie Collins, uh, Desmond Trufant, I guess, was the guy that we brought in to replace Darius Slay. Yep. On this one. Yep. Uh, Jaron Curse signed away from Minnesota to take over the safety spot. Is he going to be a starter? Is he your Quandre Diggs uh, replacement? Um, no, I don't think he is. Duran Harmon is probably that guy, another former Patriot that they traded for. 
Um, he'll probably be the free safety spot, and then you'll see a lot more Tracy Walker this year kind of in that strong safety position. Jaron Kurth will be kind of part of the rotation. I think he'll be like the third safety when they go there, but he is suspended for the first three games. So, oh, so won't see that. Him. Yeah, you won't see him for a month. Awesome. Um, and you signed an offensive lineman. and You want me to take his name? Uh, I can I'll, do it. I'll, let me give it a shot. Okay. I've, been, I've been thinking that maybe I can <laughs> do it. It's Halapulavati. Halapulavati. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay, Vitai. Uh huh. From Philadelphia. You you want me to give you a trick so you'll never forget how to say it? Yeah, go ahead. I learned this from from Michael Kist of of Bleeding Green Nation, and he does some other stuff. Obviously, he was an Eagles guy before, but um, if you say his name to play that funky music, White Boy, you'll <laughs> never you'll never not get it right. Here we go. So goes. Halapulivati Vitai. <laughs> And there that is. <laughs> yes. That's going to be, st- I'm going to be making dinner when we're done here. Hala Pula Vati Vata. It's worth <laughs> You know. So, and oh, good God. And then uh, my favorite name in football, Geronimo Allison. I'm, I know he had to be a guy in your, your name bracket this year, he, right? He was. He didn't, he didn't get that far, but he, really? he was, yeah. Okay. Well, for context, anybody who doesn't know, prior to Detroit, for whatever reason, I guess Detroit's had a lot of uh, odd names uh, yeah. on their roster. So every year they kind of trudge out this NCAA-style bracket where they put the names up against each other. Who's got the best name uh, on the Detroit Lion uh, roster? Who was the winner this year? <laughs> it was a D-Virgin. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. A lot Bunch of mature of, guys yeah. who got voting for that, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> the whole reason that that started as a tradition was I think Deadspin used to have like a, a name bracket for everyone, like everyone in the world. And you'd he- see these ridiculous names. And one year, a Detroit line made it, a Detroit line by the name of LaAdrian Waddle. And I'm like, that's a pretty good name, but I don't think it's name bracket worthy. Like, I think there, I think there may be even better names on the Lions roster. And so I was just like, let's see if that's true. And and we did a tournament, and it got ridiculous and fun. And it's something we do in the off season just to to pass time. And it's an opportunity for me to write something that's not about sports. Yeah. And and so it just it became fun and ridiculous, and it gets more ridiculous every year. So, um, yeah, D Virgin this year beat out Jelani Tavai, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but it, it just, uh, yeah, I know you had a bunch of dummies like, <laughs> D-version. Yes. That's definitely yep. better than this one, so I'm voting for that. Yep. Yeah, got to love it. We're, <laughs> I, I've always said, it's like men don't grow old, or do we, men don't grow up, we just grow old. Yep. You know, <laughs> you get a bunch of men in a room together, and uh, the, the IQ level just drop through the ceiling, or drop through the basement. It's like, we're idiots. We're absolute <laughs> idiots. When you get us all together. You know, like it just go get a bunch of guys into a house and somebody, you know, who's married and his wife is at home. And anytime she comes into the room, everybody gets quiet all of a sudden. Because like, <laughs> you're all in there saying or doing something you're not supposed to be doing and yep. because it's a bunch of guys. Then anything goes. And yeah. So, yeah, it's we're we're idiots. And then <laughs> to wrap up your free agent signings, you grabbed a couple of bears. Uh, Nick Williams, who I was yep. sad to see go defensive tackle. Possibly your snacks Harrison replacement there, or maybe Danny Shelton. I think would probably be the 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 guy for that. And then Chase yeah. Daniel, uh, the backup quarterback, is going to Detroit. And um, I, I say this, and 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 let me finish what I'm saying before you you <laughs> jump at me, okay? Sure. 
you if you want to win on Sunday, Matt Stafford has to get hurt because Chase Daniel is amazing in situations where he wasn't expecting to play football. Okay, <laughs> he won two games for us, one last year and one the year before, where he you know was was forced into duty on short notice. One of which actually being the Thanksgiving game last year in or excuse oh. me in twenty eighteen, yeah, uh, against the Lions where he couldn't there were barely walkthroughs in that week to get ready for the game and boom he comes out and he leads the Bears to a victory against the um, Lions and then ten days later he's got a full week and a half of practices and he knows he's a starter going into that game against the like three and eight Giants and we lose that game. <laughs> Same thing happened this year or in twenty nineteen. Mitch gets hurt fifth play of the game against Minnesota. So basically, Chase Daniel plays the entire football game aside from six plays. But coming off the bench, he leads us to a victory over the the Vikings, probably one of the better victories that we had last year for the Bears. Gets a full week to get ready for the Raiders and stunk up the field and lost us the game. So, um, you know, you don't want to... you know, Chase Daniel with a full week and, and knowing that he's going to go in and be the starter, he's not going to do it for you. But Matt Stafford goes down midway through the first quarter. You guys got a shot, a really, <laughs> really good shot, a really good shot. So I mean, the Lions probably could have used that last year, to be honest. I mean, Stafford's <laughs> yeah, no injury kidding. was all of a sudden, we, we found out on a Friday, suddenly his season was over. <laughs> And then there was the the Bears game, right? Like We, we found out David Blau was going to be the quarterback the night before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And yeah. so, well, I mean, yeah. that happened in both Bears games, didn't it? Like, we didn't know Stafford wasn't playing until, like, late Friday, early Saturday yep. or something yep. like that. And yeah. then the whole David Blau situation really was a surprise going into that Thanksgiving game. I forgot those were both against the Bears, but, yeah, those were both against the Bears. You lucky sons of, sons of guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys gave us a show, that's for sure, especially True. when, like, the first throw that David Blau makes is an 80-yard <laughs> touchdown pass. Right. You know, True. it's like, oh, this is going to happen. This is how this is going to go. Great. There's going to be turkey all over the TV screen by the end of the first quarter if this is how it's going to go. It but, still uh, it still wasn't worth it because all week, all this week, all I've been able to hear is how Mitchell Trubisky is a Lions killer. The last three times he's played the true. Lions. I know it. I hate it. And, and, but you have to put it into context. Like, every quarterback was a Lions killer last year. <laughs> Like Mitchell Trubisky doesn't have the Lions number. Everyone has the Lions number. Everyone okay. is, is just. I'll give that to you. I will. <laughs> it's just that we as Bear fans, it's like if you want to see Mitch Trubisky look like an NFL quarterback, put the guys in silver and blue across from him, <laughs> right. and all of a sudden, you know, he's got laser focus. His accuracy is better than it's ever been. He's cut down on mistakes. He's making throws he doesn't make ever. You know. It's like, why don't we just like give them some special, you know, they have those glasses where you can, you know, a colorblind person can see colors. Right. How about we do the reverse for Mitch? You put on a set of, you know, put a visor on his helmet or something to when he looks over to the other side of the football, all he sees is lion helmets. So like, and then all of a sudden he'll be Tom Brady out there just slinging it all over the field. He'll be Pat Mahomes, no look passes, 30 yards downfield. You know, we'll have a quarterback on our hands for Christ's sake. So... But um, wrapping up free agency, (laughs) your losses, obviously Darius Slay being number one uh, on that list. Uh, Had some offensive line losses. Graham Glasgow heads over to Denver. That one had to hurt, huh? Yeah, uh, fan favorite. Um, Obviously a a really good player, too, and and a versatile one. He he played center early in his career in Detroit. He was the backup center for a while while he was the starting right guard, but... 
for some reason, the Lions just fell out of favor with him. He was kind of rotating. Like the one of the things that Lions fans will tell you about 2019 that drove them crazy was that they were rotating their guards in the game. You know, you, you talk about offensive line and what's the main goal for for your offensive line is chemistry, right? Like, yeah, everyone has five starting players and you stick with those as long as they're healthy. That's not what the Lions did last year. They rotated their guards, not every drive, but like every two or three drives. Graham Glasgow would just go on the bench for for whatever reason, and it drove people insane, but it was kind of foreshadowing that that Graham Glasgow was on the way out, and it's a bummer because, you know, I kind of had a a nice personal relationship with him, too. Like, we played video games together. We still play some video games together every now and then, so uh, it's always always crappy to see uh, one of those guys go, um, you know, he, he went to Michigan, too, so a lot of... A lot of Lions fans were big fans of him, and we never really got an answer of why the Lions fell out of favor with him because it certainly didn't seem like it was his play on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, does that offensive line coach still have a job? No. Okay, <laughs> well, so uh, yeah, he 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 stepped down, stepped and down. you always okay. have to wonder if that that's real or not. But his his protege, the the Lions offensive uh, assistant offensive line coach, took over this year. I see. Yeah, because that, that guy wouldn't work for me if that's how he's going to run the offensive line. I mean, as an offensive lineman myself, yeah, there there is no more important unit on the field, especially on offense. You know, it's obviously the quarterback and the skill players and blah blah blah, but it all full it all you know succeeds or it perishes on the on the offensive line. And you're swapping guys out like they're receivers and running backs. You can't do that. It was you bizarre. cannot do that. Yeah, it did not make a lot of sense. All right, so and then Ricky Wagner, I guess. Uh, free agent non-success story there because that was kind of a big deal for you guys signing him away from Baltimore. Yeah, uh, when when they signed him, it was the biggest te- biggest deal for a, a right tackle that had been in existence, and he he was okay for a couple years, but obviously um, he wasn't eventually what the Lions were looking for, and so yeah, to 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 kind of cut him before his contract due is it's always a, a sign of of something not working out. Um, but I, I do think with Halapuli Vati Vaitai, I do think they have someone that's a little more fit for what they want to do, um, which is be an aggressive run, kind of run first offensive line that's really physical and kind of taking the attack to the defense rather than being a more passive pass blocker. Um, I'm not I'm not sure if that's the right strategy in today's NFL, but it, it's definitely what the Lions want to do. So um, it. It's probably an upgrade when you when you look at it that way, but at the same time, Rick Wagner's not a bad player, so um, they, yeah. they did they did let a guy go. Yeah, he's in Green Bay now. Uh, Ashawn Robinson, second former second round pick, right? Yeah, yeah. Off to the Rams. Logan Thomas is a tight end. He's in Washington now. Uh, Mike Daniels. I don't know if he was a player for you guys. I just know <laughs> the name Mike Daniels from Green I Bay. Think- Right. He may have had a snap or two in, in 2019. That's prob- probably not a lot more than that, though. Yeah, wasn't he one of those people? Like he was, wasn't, yeah. Was he like a big signing for you guys, and then he went down almost immediately after you signed him or something like that? Or? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the, the Packers let him go right before the start of training camp, and the Lions went in and swooped in and, and got him. Yeah, so They, they kind of paid a lot for him, but Mike Daniels was, was thrilled to be there. Obviously, Lions fans were thrilled that they had him because the Lions defensive line at the beginning of the season looked really, really good on paper. But yeah, injuries just kept happening. I think he literally played three games total and and not a lot of snaps in any of them right. so yeah i think he went down in that philly game so it was literally week three um so, and yeah it was so one of the bigger in, disappointments 
Yeah, he's in Seattle or Cincinnati now. Sorry, so I mean, yep. he's been punished by the football gods and sent to Cincinnati. So <laughs> that's how that worked out for him. And then Joshua Garnett, who I'm guessing was part of that guard rotation you were talking about, is now with the Washington football team. Yeah, he he actually never made it onto the field, but he was a guy okay. that I think they were hoping would. He's would a make former the, first round pick. Yeah, he that. is, and I think the Lions picked him up, hoping that he would eventually to you know. Finally realize all that talent, but never never got off the ground here. Ah, that happens. <laughs> Taking a quick break from the discussion to give thanks to our sponsors once again. Bet online. The wait is finally over, guys. Football is back. The day that I never thought that we'd see in 2020, anyway, has finally arrived. And you might not be able to go to a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. You can get in on their season open bonuses today and start off wagering. Start off wagering on win, division, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online your online sportsbook experts. The show is also brought to you by Manscaped. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control, but there is one thing you can control, and that's shaving your bush. Uh, Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade is skin and skin-safe technology are designed to reduce nicks or tugs or in your fellows down below. The, the Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, uh, whatever turns you on there, sailor, okay? They also just released their Shears 2.0 Nail Kit, which is the perfect add-on to their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools and it includes tip tweezers round point scissors fingernail clippers and a medium grit nail file personally i have never ever given that much attention to my nails other than when i bite them it's a nasty habit so maybe i should manscape them instead of biting them but uh then what would i never mind um the the, on their website you'll also find the crop preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. This will help you tame that summer swamp ass with natural hydrators and antioxidants. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm here in the Midwest, and um, swamp ass I don't think is going to be an issue uh, for much longer. Um, We had our last 90-degree day over the weekend, uh, last Saturday, and it's been in the 50s the last three days, and I don't think we're going back up into swamp ass territory for the rest of the year but the crop preserver would be able to help you out with it even if you did you'll also find the crop reviver a testy toner i love that that's like having cologne that is designed for your balls and we won't they always throw that in there we won't judge you if we catch you sniffing yourself yes yes we will don't don't do that really don't uh we're men and we're savages but uh let's not do that okay boys go to manscape.com and check out some of these life-changing products in fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off 
with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. And uh, actually, we have a little bit of advice uh, from our good friend, Dr. Evil. There really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's breathtaking. I suggest you try it. And with that, let's get back to the show. <laughs> All right. So there we go. You know, we, we, we've purged uh, Darius Slay and, and uh, you know, uh, Snacks uh, Ra- Harrison wasn't too far uh, behind in getting his release and things like that. So now with this batch of guys willingly joining the franchise, <laughs> Patricia's got his team and we're rolling forward. Now we go into the draft. And before we talk about the picks... How did you feel about the event itself this year? I think they pulled it off. Um, I, I think sometimes the NFL draft can be a little too glitz and glamoury, and I know some of the plans that they had for Vegas were ridiculous, like a, leading a guys out in a boat onto the stage and things like that. And so I'm kind of kind of glad we didn't get any of that. It, it, it would have been ridiculous and over the top, and um, it was kind of it was heartfelt, like I. listening to some of the coaches and GMs talk about the experience and how they're like, it was awesome to spend it with my family and, and not have to be away from them and, and be able to share a special moment like the NFL draft with them was, was really special. And yeah, we didn't get kind of the emotional speeches of, of the players and them walking up on the stage, but we got a lot of cool videos of them being home with their families and things like that. So I think they pulled it off as an event and wouldn't be surprised to, to see more teams kind of, Maybe do something a little bit similar so that they can kind of share that special moment with their family again. Yeah, I was I, I, I kind of go back and, and I think did did I enjoy it because I was so desperate for sports at that <laughs> point because there was literally nothing. Everything had been canceled. Right. Nothing was going on. And even though baseball should have started, they were still arguing about pennies on the dollar as far as what they were going to make and you know all that kind of stuff. And basketball, I don't even think they'd started their bubble discussions yet and, and and all the rest of that the the xfl had been canceled when they i think that weekend would have been their their championship game or 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 whatever it's just like we were all so desperate for sports and the nfl god bless them was trudging out along with the draft we're not going to postpone it we're not going to we're going to have our draft we're just going to have our socially distanced draft and and you know did i enjoy it because i was so desperate for football or did they actually pull it off um i i and I and I talked to uh, I think I talked to Lauren Cox about this on, on the last episode was the, you know. Say what you want about Goodell, he's done a lot of good things as commissioner. He might be the worst spokesman for the league that the <laughs> league has, as far as being a completely dry and personality free human being. Like whenever he tries to be a fun guy or whatever, it just it's total like dad vibes. You yes, know, totally. 100%. Hey, come on, Lions fans! Here's your pick. Let's hear it. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm just waiting to hear somebody in the screen, "Fuck you," or you know, <laughs> something like that. Just, you know, I just, it just, uh, it, it was always kind of funny to me, uh, you know, that this this guy runs the most successful sports league in the world, and uh, you know, has done so successfully. And the the the, the owners love him. The, the fans, for whatever reason, we got beef with him. Um, I didn't miss not hearing the booing every time he made a pick. I know that the that was part of the crowd thing going on on the sure. TV screen, but it wasn't as prevalent as it would have been in, in the actual in Vegas that year uh, uh, or anything. But it's just like, 
you know, he's got to be the most boring guy ever as far as, you know, sitting there in his dad clothes, making picks in his basement and everything. <laughs> it was interesting, but talk about a personality, like a guy void of personality for the most personality loaded uh, <laughs> sport on, on the planet. So it's yeah. just... You, know. you brought me back to a memory of the draft that I had completely forgotten about, and it's when he did the the Drake slide, the TikTok slide dance oh, no. with with the. I don't remember who the the draft uh, prospect was, but like he eventually did the little TikTok dance with him, you know, in the little duet that you can do on on TikTok. I'm not a big TikTok guy, but no. um, it was just like the most awkward, weird looking thing, and it totally fits into your like, yeah, he's a dad. He's a yeah. total weird dad. That's that's all that's happening here. Like <laughs> I think the, the, you know we're just watching that bowl of M and M's disappear uh, next to him <laughs> or whatever, and that he went you know at, at some point the sweater came off and now the the collar is open kind of thing. Like he's totally like maxing out in the you know I was just waiting to, for them to cut to him and he's lounging the chair. He's got a leg thrown over one of the arms and you know gives him gives the gives the boys a scratch. Be like oh we're on okay. You know, and then he goes back to his stiff self. Like, no, he's like that all the time, apparently. But anyway, so we get to the draft itself, and it's taking place. And lots of will they, won't they when it comes to the Lions at number three. Yeah. Because we know number one is uh, Burrow. He's going to Cincinnati. Poor bastard. No matter what, that's where (laughs) he's going. Um you know, number two, Washington, that's uh, Chase Young. That's a foregone conclusion, although there was some flirtation with Ron Rivera, you know, kind of, I guess, gamesmanship, making people think that maybe two is going at number two. But where a lot of people thought if there was going to be a surprise on draft day, if somebody's going to make a move for a quarterback, he's going to Detroit. And was there any possible excitement over that was there any kind of heavy feeling that it was going to happen or was it Jeff Okuda the corner from Ohio State all the way there was definitely a a segment of fans that were hoping it was going to be Tua um you know there's always going to be detractors of Matthew Stafford as long as the the playoff win column is still at zero um you know the, the People just say, listen, it's not that Matthew Stafford's a bad quarterback. It's just this team needs a fresh start. They haven't gotten anywhere with Matthew Stafford, and I'm not one of those people. I think Matthew Stafford's more than capable of, of creating a, a, a winning team in Detroit. Of I think he's a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback that just needs to be a better supporting cast, and he's, he's done a hell of a job taking a, a horrible roster, a bad roster, to the playoffs a couple times. And even on the verge of winning, um, but there was uh, there was definitely, and there still is, a bunch of people that will be watching Tua's career and and forever wondering what if the Lions took him. Mm. That being said, the Lions showed their hands right away. They they throughout the entire offseason, they sang Matthew Stafford's praise praises, and and sure there there are going to be people that say like, eh, they're they're throwing smoke screens. But if you had paid attention from from the minute that Bob Quinn was there, the minute that Matt, Matt Patricia was there. They love Matthew Stafford. They their 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 love is unequivocal. Um, you know they've they've never wavered a bit. And so for me, it was never a question uh, on draft day, a month before draft day, two months before draft day. Matthew Stafford was going to be the quarterback in 2020, and maybe there was still a chance that they would take two and, and and ride him on the pine for a year. But I never really got that sense. So to me, Jeff Okuda seemed like the obvious pick. It seemed like the right pick. In, in my opinion, there were some people that liked Isaiah Simmons. 
Um, everyone wanted Chase Daniel to fall to the Lions. Obviously, that that didn't end up happening. But um, that was probably everyone's. If there was a consensus with the Lions where you could get almost everyone on board, it was Chase Daniel. Um, but I think most Chase people Young. who sorry Chase Young, not Chase Daniel. You uh, we got Chase. Chase Daniel yeah, we, we got point. Chase Daniel. <laughs> but yeah, Chase Young. Um, and and I think a, a close second was. Uh, Jeff Okuda, and then there was probably the the next group would probably be the the ones that wanted Tua. But I think the majority of Lions fans are pretty happy with getting Jeff Okuda, um, given all the issues that the Lions were having with defense last year. And I think that was probably for me, the, for me personally, that was probably the only disappointing part of the draft was that in a draft where there was a lot of talk about movement up the board to get this quarterback or that one or to get this prospect here, and I was. I don't think we had a trade until like the late teens, early 20s yeah. uh, or something like that. So all that talk about, you know, would uh, would somebody come up from, the, you know, from the bottom to the middle or from the middle to the top with the Lions to get to get a tour or to get a Justin Herbert yeah. or, you know, or anything like that. And nothing happened. It was literally just one prospect after another came off the board until we got there, I think, in the in the late teens or the or something like that, 16, 17, something like that before it a trade finally happened uh, in the first round. And, and I think everyone just kind of wrote that off as being COVID yeah. because we can't have visits with guys, you know, uh, you know, meetings and, and visits and, and things like that have been cut down. So nobody had any extra time outside of the combine to fall in love with a guy uh, or anything like that. And uh, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and see how the board uh, shapes up. Uh, yeah so and and that that felt unfortunate for the lions i think they probably would have preferred to to trade down and and get some extra picks and we've seen in the past like you can get a load of picks even just trading down a couple spots and i think Mm -hmm. you know given where the team is in terms of talent they they certainly would have benefited from that and maybe they deserve a little criticism for for showing their hands that they weren't interested in a quarterback and not you know uh convincing a team that maybe it was possible they'd take one off the board, but I think in the end is just it was kind of an unfortunate situation. Um, the the Dolphins didn't have a lot of people I think gunning for for Tua because of all the questions surrounding his injuries and, yeah. and no one being able to get in, in a physical, and so everyone just kind of sat and waited and, and got who they wanted and it is what it is. But I think the Lions got a talented player in Jeff Okuda, so you know Lions fans shouldn't be too down on that. Yeah, with Okuda on on one side, Desmond Trufant on the other, you guys aren't doing too bad. Uh, yeah, at corner. Right now, he's going to be a day one starter. It's gone clear at this point. He was a little slow to start in, in training camp, and totally understandable given, again, the circumstances of, of not having a full off season to to kind of get ready. Um, Lines are are also really happy with where they're at with uh, Amani Oruarie, the last year's fifth round pick, a guy who a lot of people thought might go on on day two of the draft. So um, I think I think you might see a lot of Oruarie on Sunday in Week One, um, but it's only a matter of time before Akuda takes over. All right, in the second round, DeAndre Swift, the running back out of Georgia. You guys going to get one of these picks right? Because you guys have picked a lot of really good running backs over the years, or a lot of good college uh, running backs <laughs> anyway. And then, you know, it's just and, – and a lot of times you really can't blame it on the, the running back just because he's come to Detroit where they throw 98% uh, right. of the time. Uh, but it, it just seems like any time they try to force – the running game it doesn't quite seem to happen is is swift going to be the guy that fixes that or is is that just here's running back number 55 <laughs> that we've we've tried to 
turn into the next Barry Sanders? I mean, at some point, you you run your head against the wall so many times, you're supposed to stop doing that. Like, you're supposed yeah. to realize maybe this isn't the best way to go about it. I I was not a huge fan of the pick. I love the player. I think DeAndre Swift's a really talented guy. And, yeah, yeah he could potentially be a, a big-time running back in this league. I just don't like drafting running backs that high. I think sure, sure. I think it's it's too big of a gamble. These players have such a short shelf life. I mean, how many running backs do you see in this league make it through their second contract? A lot will get a second contract, but not a lot will make it to the end of it. Yeah. And to me, if you're picking in the second round and and at the top of the second round, you he's the 35th pick in the draft. Yeah. You need a guy that's going to stay around for a long time and by picking a running back, you're almost guaranteeing that it's not going to be your guy. And so I don't know. I, I like Swift as a prospect. He's already dealing with a, a bit of a, a hip injury um, in camp and, and maybe maybe won't get a full go in week one. But I do know the Lions love him. I do know that this means we're at the beginning of the end of, of Kerryon Johnson. And I do know that he's going to get a lot of play this year and, and he's going to get an opportunity to show that he was worth that, that 35th overall pick. But to me, I just I don't like the strategy of it. Um, and I don't. I mean, we know Matt Patricia is really, really trying to run the ball and stuff the the run down the defense's throat. And and again, that's another questionable um, strategy in today's NFL. But if if that's what he wants to do, maybe taking a running back this high makes sense. But um, I'm I'm very much in the skeptical wait and see mode with him. Yeah, and then you had seven picks after that, and you got five guys in the trenches, and um, the fifth round was a wide receiver and a running back. But like I said, third round, Julian Okara from from Notre Dame, a defensive end. Jonah Jackson, a guard from Ohio State. And then two defensive tackles in the sixth and seventh round. Um, And then you got your wide receiver, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin. Jason Mm -hmm. Huntley from uh, running back from New Mexico State. And and when I was looking at it, it was like that's like the one, like, non-Power 5 conference school that you guys drafted from. It was... Ohio State, Georgia, Notre Dame, yep. Ohio State, Kentucky, Wisconsin, Utah, you know, Ohio State. It just, you know, leaning heavy on the Big Ten, heavy on those Midwestern guys yep. that could come in and, and you know, kind of grind it out and play for you. Yeah, that's that's not by mistake either. I mean, especially in a year where you, your scouting methods are probably limited with, with COVID, you, you go with the big school guys, you go with these big-time players, and it, it's worked fairly well for them in the past. They they really seem to like Bama boys, and, and that's worked out somewhat well for them. But, yeah, I mean, would they get three three Ohio State guys this year? It's kind of yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, three Ohio and, States and a Wisconsin. Four yeah. Big Ten guys. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I think I think it might pay off. I, I do like this this overall draft class. They're, they're going to get immediate contributions out of their top four guys. Jonah Jackson is going to be the starting right guard in, in, in week one. Um Quintus Cephas looks really, really good in training camp, and um, I, I don't think we'll see a lot of him in 2020 because the lines are kind of stacked at wide receiver right now, but he's a guy to, to look out in the future, maybe to fill Marvin Jones' spot. He's on the last year of his contract. Um, and then you, you look at a guy like Julian Aquara, Notre Dame guy. If he hadn't broken his leg in the middle of last season, he might have been a, a, a first or second round pick. Lines need a pass rush. He's a guy that could potentially be that guy. Maybe not right away, but um, we'll definitely see him by the end of, of 2020. And so you, you add up all those guys, you, you have you know probably at least two starters, maybe three by the end of the season, and, and that's really all you can ask for uh, of a draft class, I think. Yeah, especially as far as immediate return on investment. Exactly. Uh, to have something like that um, happen. Uh, apparently the Bears are going all in 
uh, <laughs> with theirs because, you know, Cole Komet, that guy's going to be a contributor right away. And Jalen Johnson, our other second-round pick, mm-hmm. is starting on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you know, we're going to see how immediate this uh, return is going to be for those guys uh, especially. So, um, you know, looking at the uh, schedule, obviously things are, you know, we get familiar in the first week with the Bears uh, week one. It's a home game for you guys at Green Bay, at Arizona. So you get a couple of revenge games there sure, um, with them and then home for New Orleans before an early week five buy good or bad on the early buy i hate him yeah. absolutely hate him me too and i mean it, it's literally the same bye week that the lions had last year week five yeah. um i don't like the idea of playing 12 straight games without without a break that's that's brutal and you need i mean you might not need the break then like the lines might be healthy by then and then that point you're just kind of like you're, you're hitting your groove and you gotta stop um i don't, I don't like it at all uh I think part of it might have to do with the fact that the lines have been on thank you know, obviously have the Thanksgiving game every year and that kind of is like a second mini buy mm-hmm. um since they get those extra couple days after the game but um it, it really feels like the lines have gotten a lot of these early buys and I I don't think they benefit from it at all. Yeah. It uh I wasn't a fan. we were week 6 last year, week 5 the year before and you know even though obviously we had great success in 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 2018 uh, and everything, it's just too early. Uh, yeah, it, it's too early. You know, you really haven't gotten your feet under you yet, and you know, especially in 2018 for the Bears, that buy couldn't have come at a worse time with a three and one start that most people weren't expecting. Right. You know, for to have to take a break and then you know two weeks before we come back and uh, and all that kind of stuff, it, it was it was not a well timed one. Last year was kind of the opposite. We had some guys hurt. Uh, you know, we weren't playing up to up to par. So like maybe this team does need a break right <laughs> you know look back at the last five weeks get a good look at yourselves and and reevaluate things take a break you know relax come back ready to go charged up for those last 11 games it didn't matter so it just it was not a good year for us in case you didn't know <laughs> but after the bye depending on which teams show up this this second quarter could be very interesting for you guys yeah yeah you're even though you're on the road at Jacksonville, then you're at Atlanta. Do you know is that going to be one of those situations where you guys stay out there instead of coming home? That's because a good Atlanta question. And Jacksonville are practically neighbors, right? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I don't think that the team has addressed that um, yet, but it. I don't know. It, it's it, it's obviously travel in this climate right now is is weird and and yeah, we don't true. know how it's going to go and normal rules I, don't I, apply. Right, exactly. I think I think at this point the the expectation is they they come home yeah. where they're comfortable and you know I don't know how practice would work in in you know a different state and area and all that sort of stuff. But you never know. I think it's something they're they're probably working out now if they haven't already. Right. So, but depending on which Atlanta team shows up, the team that started one and seven or the one that finished six and two, you know, Jacksonville Atlanta is a nice soft landing from the bye. Uh, you know, and uh, especially the Jacksonville part. Right. Um, then you're home for Indianapolis on the road. So three out of four on the road when because you finish up with Minnesota to close out the uh, the second quarter there. Then home for Washington. I, I keep wanting to say Redskins. That's a naughty word now. <laughs> so, but no, you go home for the home for the football team uh, on <laughs> on the road at Carolina. Thanksgiving versus the Texans. 
not playing the Bears on Thanksgiving. This is this truly is an upside down world that we're living right. in right now, Jeremy. <laughs> but you play the Bears after right. Thanksgiving, so there's that, um, and that closes out the third quarter of it. So we got four games left. How are you feeling about the schedule so far? Well, it, it's kind of that tough start. I don't really like doing back to back division games to to start the season just no. because. I mean, these teams are going to look rough. And yeah. for these games to carry so much weight when the teams are going to be bad kind of stinks. But mm-hmm. I do feel like the middle of the schedule there has an, a nice cushy spot. You mentioned Jacksonville. The Colts are kind of still a team in flux. We'll see how Phillip Rivers looks there. Washington, Carolina. Yeah. Um, those, those are all kind of nice cushy games where I think the Lions could potentially get down a run right in the middle. Which they'll need to do because I think those final four games might be a bit of a gauntlet looking at them. A little bit, yeah. Home for Green Bay at Tennessee, home for Tom Brady and the Bucks, and then home for Minnesota. Were you relieved to see you weren't playing Green Bay for the fifth year in a row on Week yes. 17? 100%. Okay. 100%. Because... As much as – I mean, a couple of those games have been for the division, and it's, it's fun to have a big, exciting division game to end the season, and a couple of them even at home, but – uh no i don't i don't well at, at least the nfl did you guys the solid of rotating the location right of that game right year in and year out uh whereas the bears and the vikings played in minnesota four out of the last five years that's ridiculous and what was funny was when i mentioned that to chris gates when i was talking to him last week was like look chris this truly is an upside down world we're living in the bears and and vikings aren't closing out the year but he's like yeah but if you look at it, it's the Vikings' last home game of the season because they're on the road week 16 and 17. So the NFL has done it again to the Vikings fans <laughs> that the last home game of the year is against Chicago. There you Only go. It's mid-December instead of late <laughs> December uh, this year. So it still happened, just not week 17. It's still the last home game of the season for the Vikings. It's like, well, there you have it. Yep. So... But, you know, with the, the NFC South and the AFC South being on the schedule for both of us this year, obviously with us being uh, division mates, I think that that gives us a lot of cushion, you know, to, to succeed this year because it's, you know, if, if Tampa Bay turns out to be the super squad everyone thinks they're going to be, then you have New Orleans. They are who they are. Will Atlanta be able to bounce back? And I say no because they produced the worst uniforms out of the new units that came out. This <laughs> oh, year. my gosh. You're not wrong. Dude, I, you know, and, and here I'm going to swear again, Jeremy, and it's just because I'm a total uniform snob. <laughs> Your colors are red, black, and white. How do you fuck that up? Honestly, <laughs> how do you fuck that up? You know, it's the easiest color scheme out there, literally. Okay? Three best colors you can have for your uniform, and you somehow produce that shit that they are going to be draping their player. Not to mention, don't even get me started on the gradient uniform. (laughs) That's where I thought you were going with this immediately. Oh, my God. (laughs) Eyes almost popped out of my head when I saw that. I could not believe it. It's like this is, and I bet you this is going to be like a Sunday night or a Thursday night national TV right. uniform. So everyone's going to have to be subjected to that garbage. But <laughs> um, yeah, so I hope the Falcons are punished, uh, you know, in perpetuity for as long as they're wearing those uniforms. Not to mention the big stupid ATL uh, patch on, you know, in the yeah. center there. It's yeah. way too big. The numbers are somehow gigantic 
on them. It just it looks ridiculous. It's like how do you take red, black, and white and fuck it up the way that you did? I can't imagine why or how. I don't like what did they say no to when that became yes? What else could they have done? It was it just that's my uniform snobbery sticking out completely uh, on that one. But it's just like woof. That was that was so bad when I saw the Falcons. First of all, I didn't think they needed new uniforms, but who yeah. am I to say? But they came out with them, and it's like, no, no, no. Just go back and try again. This You didn't get it right. You did not get it right. <laughs> so may the Falcons be punished for those uniforms, and may it be the 1-7 in seven team that plays this year as opposed to the ones that that figured it out and won, you know, went 6-2 and two and saved, um, you know, uh, it's Quinn down there, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Also Quinn. I was going to say Bob. It's like, I know it's not Bob, (laughs) Uh, but you know, save Quinn's job to, to come back uh, this year. And like you said, the, the, the Colts, you know, they're, they're kind of like the bears of the AFC last year, the 2018 strong season playoff run, blah, blah, blah. 2019 weren't able to follow it up. And you know, guys that, that performed for them in 2019 weren't there or 2018 weren't there for them in 2019 kind of went off the rails and they had a bad year uh and then the vikings i've been fighting the feeling all off season jeremy that the vikings are going to be bad this year Mm. because they lost five starters on the defensive side and granted they they had 15 draft picks that's not an exaggeration that is an actual number they drafted 15 guys and you know there's there's that's a lot to work with that's a very green bay packer ish ron wolf type of draft where we're just going to throw it all at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing we pick 15 guys pretty good chance that some of them are going to be pretty good yeah uh, for us regardless of where we got them drafted uh and things like that but i've just kind of been fighting the feeling that with you know they got rid of stefan diggs they they, five brand new starters on the defensive side of our defense that was really good uh last year yeah i've really kind of been fighting the feeling that that the vikings were rebuilding as opposed to reloading and and I don't know. Like, if they don't do well this year, I won't be that surprised. It's uh, I'm in a tough situation with them because until Zimmer shows any sign of weakness, any sign of regression, any sign that that Vikings defense isn't going to continue to be amazing, then I'm going to continue to believe it's going to be amazing. And they still got a a, a lot of really good talent there. Um, they, they, They seem to have reloaded nicely I, I mean they still obviously lost a lot of talent and they are going to be relying on some young guys that are unproven but for for as little cap space as they had and as little yeah. resources as they had they kind of did an amazing job i'm not gonna lie and yeah th- th- like they're said, still when when you see those names come off the board and they're yeah. going elsewhere they're being subtracted yeah. from this team it's just like are are the vikings doing this on purpose or you know are <laughs> Are, you know, I was like, are they going young? Is that what's happening here? And then you mentioned the salary cap situation. I wasn't completely aware of of that. And then it's like the draft. Obviously, you're bringing in 15 very cheap guys uh, when you do that. So, you know, you're 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 going to save a lot of money on on when you when you just have to worry about signing draft picks as opposed to free agents who have earned big dollars uh, and everything. It's like it's like, did they get rid of the right guys? Because I just know that right. they're getting rid of some popular guy, maybe not popular, but name guys. Right. You know, that aren't going to be on this team anymore. Is that going to hurt or is Zimmer going to have to do his best coaching job to get this to work? Yeah, it, it it's kind of a wait and see. But I mean, they, they definitely got a, a big Yannick Ngakwe sized yeah, present uh, last week. Deal. So um, that was a big deal that that'll that'll 
cure some ales, no question. And it all comes back to those stinking Jaguars that we yep. were talking about earlier. <laughs> yep, yep. That fire sale that they've been on, Minnesota, great beneficiaries mm-hmm. uh, of that. So there's a lot of teams very happy right now that didn't have to give up a lot to uh, to get some of the better defensive players in the AFC to, to come and play for them. So, so what is the... What is the consensus on on the Lions for for 2020? Like, what what's the expectation, and what do you feel is the reality as opposed to that? Well, like you know, like I've been saying, kind of all podcasts, I think there's a, a heavy amount of skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, this time of year, there's going to be plenty of optimism too, because that's just what NFL fans do in in August and September, and especially without any preseason to to potentially show any flaws. Right. People are going to be excited, and so th- there's plenty of that. Um, I think, I think if you ask five Lions fans, you might get five different answers. To be honest, I think there there's definitely a healthy amount of people that think this team is, you know, due for a, a breakout year. There there are a lot of even national experts that are like, Peter you King. know, why not why not the Lions? Peter King, you know, football outsiders. Their projection model actually had the Lions as the most likely to win the NFC North. Granted, everyone was pretty much between 23 and 27%. So, you know, it, it's going to be a close race by their metrics. Um, but you look at the team, offensively speaking, they should be very good. They were very good with Matthew Stafford. He was in the MVP conversation through eight weeks. Um, and now he, he might even have more weapons than he did last year with DeAndre Swift, with a guy we haven't even mentioned yet, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. Um, and and a couple you know new additions at wide receiver. The biggest question off on offense is really offensive line. We kind of went through the two changes that they made on the right side. Um, the, there's reason to be skeptical about a rookie starting at right guard, Jonah Jackson, and and Halapuli Vativaitai again, uh, a guy who's never been a full time starter. So there are questions there. But other what other than that, like everyone's very hyped about T.J. Hawkinson's second year. Um, the running backs look good. And and the wide receivers were were one of the best trios in the league last year. So offensively speaking, this team should be set. Mm-hmm. Defense is where all the questions are. They right. weren't and good last year. They were yeah. horrible last year. But they made a ton of changes. And the the question I've been asking off season, and and it's one I I won't know until the season happens. Okay, they changed, but are they better? And it's hard it's hard to know because. You, you jettison a guy like Darius Lee. You jettison a guy like Snacks Harrison, like Ashawn Robinson, like Mike Daniels. Those are talented guys. Those are guys that are very talented. And you bring in a guy like Desmond Trufant, who who's never really been at the level Darius Slay has been, but he's been a good cornerback. You bring in uh, Danny Shelton, a guy who, again, was pretty good in New England, never really been like a really, really big full-time starter. You bring in Nick Williams, a guy who I know Bears fans probably really like from last he's a stud, year. but man. He's a stud. Oh, well, what else does he have to show from him other than a, 19, a 2019 season? Yeah. I mean, he's also 30 years old, so um, a lot of questions there. And then, you know, I think the the most unquestioned signings additions were a guy like Jamie Collins. This team needed a leader, a, a talented guy at the linebacker level, and so I think he's probably their, their marquee signing that there aren't a ton of questions for, although, you know, he, he didn't quite play very well when he left – New England for for the Browns, so there there's definitely some that are skeptical that um, you know outside of uh, Foxborough that he can kind of continue his talents, but obviously he's in a, a more familiar defense with with Matt Patricia, and so I think defensively you just they made changes at every level, and you, you just have to question whether they're upgrades, and we won't really know until that happens. But 
I think a lot of people think if this team, this defense can even be average in, in 2020, and, and that's a big upgrade from, you know, 27th, 28th, whatever they were last year. Um, but if they can get closer to average this year, then this team can compete for the NFC North. And I'm kind of among that belief as well. I, I don't know if the defense has improved, but I look around the NFC North, I don't see a lot of spotless rosters. You know, I see a lot mm-hmm. of questions on everyone's roster. And, and so I look at the Lions as, as one of those teams that has a lot of questions, but they're in good company in the NFC North. So I think I think they can contend this year, but it's, it's going to take a lot of things to go right. And you sound like the inverse of exactly. yes. Bears. Yes. Like where we have this fantastic defense, we are loaded on every level of the defensive side. We made some cosmetic changes kind of like they did uh, on offense uh, for the Lions. And we made a lot of changes on the offensive side. And it was, you know, like you said, they're different, but are they better? So, you know, like we definitely yep. have a we have a brand new tight end room. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but we had 12 tight ends at one point <laughs> on the roster oh, I heard. Uh, during the offseason. Uh, you know, I remember my dad uh, texted me when I think we cut Ben Broniker. I was like, well, we cut Broniker. Why did we do that? It's like, well, we only we're, we're only down to seven tight ends. I don't know how we're going to make survive <laughs> the rest of the offseason with only seven of them. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way to make do, Dad. I know that they will. They're, they'll, they'll, they're pros. They'll figure it out. But it's like we got a brand-new tight end room. We add Jimmy Graham, which was a questionable signing. Um, you know, we drafted Cole Komet. We signed Demetrius Harris away from the, the Cleveland Browns, and that's going to be one, two, and three, which is a significant upgrade from Trey Burden, Adam Shaheen, Ben Broniker, one, two, and three. Like, right. across the board, it could not – like you know, it's – we don't have a high bar to cross as far as tight end goes – this year, considering that all the guys that played tight end for us, none of them had 100 yards receiving on the season last year, let nice. alone being a tight end that got 100 yards in a game. It didn't happen last year. So it's not going to be a tough thing to do when Jimmy. all Jimmy Graham has to do is average like 40 yards a game and he will be <laughs> eclipsed. You know, he will have, you know, 500 yards on the season and be five times better than our best guy last year. You know, and have a yeah. mediocre ass season where he only catches 500 yards worth of passes, he would be five times better than our best guy was <laughs> a year ago. That's how bad the tight end position was. Yep. And then instead of making any real changes on the offensive line, we decide to, to change it up completely and get a new offensive line coach. Right. We're gambling with an offensive line coach, improving what was 2019. And in a way, we kind of painted ourselves into a corner with that. Because we just signed Cody Whitehair to an extension. James Daniels is, you know, year three of, of a rookie contract. We signed both Massey and Leno to extensions. I think everybody on that offensive line is a bear until at least 2022. So making changes to the offensive line itself, aside from letting go Kyle Long, which was a decision that was made midseason last year, wasn't really going to happen. So making wholesale changes on the offensive line wasn't really an option. So they decided to change everything else. We got a new offensive line coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback coach. Uh, we promoted our quarterback coach, who I cannot believe still has a job. Uh, <laughs> he's our passing game coordinator now, yeah. so at least that's what they're calling him uh, uh, for now. So we'll see. Having Filippo and Bill Lazor in the house together with Nagy, you know, we'll see how it all goes uh, on offense. And like you said, 
if these guys can be mediocre with that defense, we're going to do some damage out there this year. We don't need Mitch to be Pat Mahomes. Right. We basically, if he could be Nick Foles, that would be fine. Right. That would be fine. Put put 20 points on the board. The defense will take care of the rest, I promise you. So if we can do that, then, yeah, we're going to be a team to contend with. But it all hinges on what happens with the offense and vice versa for you guys. The offense is going to be able to score. It's a matter of whether or not the defense is going to be able to stop them, which is yep. kind of how, like, 2011, 2014, that was the, that was the kryptonite for you guys yep. was – your defense because 100%. Stafford was putting points on the board and literally had to outscore his opponent each week because your defense wasn't stopping anybody. So if the if the offense can play this year, the Bears are going to go places and vice versa for you guys. You know the, off- the offense is your known commodity. It's the defense that is all question marks. And if they can even give you, you know, if they can be the 15th ranked defense in the league, you guys might do some damage this year. Yep, that's that's the hope. That's the I feel like that's the blue plan for the 2020 season. We'll we'll see if the Lions can actually get there though. And then here's the real question, Lions fan. Do you want that to happen? So the tra- so Trish- Patricia stays around? I mean, it's like I know that, you yeah. know, nobody wants to have that conversation. Nobody wants to talk about their team tanking just so you can get rid of a guy uh, or anything like that, but is that a pill you're willing to swallow? Another you know, a couple of years of Patricia, uh, you know, trying to work things out, or would you rather just rip the Band-Aid off and get it over with? It's a good question. Um, yeah. I don't, what I don't want is a seven and nine season and that being good enough, you know, I don't yeah. want it. I, I don't sure, want sure. him like fledging around just like eight and eight ball and, and we're like, oh, okay, well we got a, you know, that's, that's a five game improvement from three wins last year. Um, I, it's a hard question for me because philosophically there's so many things I disagree with Matt Patricia about, whether it's his leadership, whether it's his insistence on being a run the ball, stop the run kind of identity for a team in the, in the 21st century. I just, I think it's outdated, but at the same time, like when I listen to the guy talk, when, when he like is there talking football in Allen park and I'm, I'm, you know, feet away from him, I can tell the dude is super smart. He's a really smart, intelligent guy, and and I'm willing to believe that maybe I he maybe he knows a little bit more about football than I do, and yeah, just a little bit though. <laughs> and so when I disagree with him philosophically, I always kind of have to remind myself of that. It's like, well, he's got all sorts of analytic stuff that I don't have access to. He's been around football forever. He, he has kind of a better idea of what's happening with game plans, what's going right, what's going wrong, and I have to humble myself a little bit and be like, listen. Maybe I don't agree with the direction of this team is going, but maybe it can still work. We've seen teams w- develop that kind of strategy, like the Titans last year. You know, they didn't they didn't make it all the way, but they were certainly a team whose identity was run the ball and stop the run, and they, they got far. And so I'm not naive enough to believe that my way is is the only way. And uh, I guess to to make a long answer short, if this team is successful in 2020, I don't care. I don't care right. who's at, at charge. Right. Um, that, I that's, just want this team to be successful. That's kind of the philosophy of Bear fans in regards to Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. If he succeeds, then we're keeping him. But if he doesn't, most people would be okay with that because we don't want him here anymore anyway. Yeah. So it would almost be a good thing for the Bears not to do well in 2020 because that means we're going to wipe the board at quarterback and start over. Right. So 
Win uh, win. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it's just like, you know, I, I'm. I just you you talk about Patricia and how smart the guy is. You did fail to mention he's also been learning at the foot of the master for how many years uh, in New England. <laughs> yep. So, uh, but you know, is Patricia is Patricia Bill Belichick or is he Wade Phillips? Right. Where you know, brilliant defensive coordinator. He has success no matter where he goes. I mean, he's turned a lot of weird football teams into defensive juggernauts. But give him the head coaching job and it all falls apart. And I kind of feel like Matt Nagy might be the inverse of yeah. Wade Phillips. Like maybe he isn't meant to be a play caller. Maybe he's meant to be the head coach and kind of coach the team and coach the coaches and let somebody else run uh, the offense. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to find that out as long as Nagy's head coach in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a lesson he'll learn if Somewhere and when else, he gets yeah. another shot at it. Yeah. But um, I just got a feeling like, you know, with the way the team responds to him, the way they believe in him, the way they rallied behind him in 2018, that was the one thing nobody saw coming was how well they were going to respond to him and, you know, his philosophy and the way they want to do things uh, in 2018. And then in 2019, you know, the, the, the play calling, it just seemed to kind of get in the way of him actually coaching the team. And I feel like maybe if, you know, with, with two offensive coordinators and Bill Lazor and, and DiFilippo in there, you know, some, some extra cooks in the kitchen, maybe they'll be able to, to talk him down uh, off of some of those decisions that he made in, in, in 2019 and, and the Bears will benefit as opposed to him. I, I was talking to Lauren Cox about this. I have a feeling that, that Nagy is what I call an emotional play caller. Like, you know, you ever play a game yeah. of Madden and you know this play works, but for some reason – you know, like you want to try to run the football, you keep getting stuck. You get smashed in the backfield. Loss after loss. You know, you know what? I don't give a damn if it is fourth and 21. We're running this dive play, and it's going to work, <laughs> God damn it! And, you know, I got a feeling that we got a lot of that out of Nagy last yeah. year. Like, he knows these plays work. He knows he's watched the team run them successfully in practice. I'm going to call this again, and you guys are going to get it right. Okay, we're going to run it until you actually get it right. And... I would prefer that, you know, hopefully there's some coaches that can talk him off the ledge if that is the case. If I'm right in reading Nagy and how he can be that, you know, when he faces adversity, his emotions take over, and that's not so good when you're a play caller. Yeah. So yep. Can't play on tilt. No, can't do it. Can't do it. So, all right, Jeremy, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this uh, this thing up. It's It's kind of senseless to talk strategy and stuff that – for for uh, for two teams that have had little to no off season, zero preseason, and yep. have basically been playing against air or two hand touch, and very limited practice. You know, all I hope, and and I mean this league wide, starting tomorrow night and throughout the league, I am scared to death of week one. I am absolutely terrified of what's going to happen to rosters in general when these guys have to go from zero to sixty yeah. on Sunday. Yeah, like they've barely been hitting each other that, you know, because of the, the, the CBA rules and all that kind of stuff. And then COVID on top of it, there's been very little football being practiced by actual football teams uh, leading up to this. And I just had a feeling that every game in the league is going to be a body bag game uh, yeah. on Sunday. Like guys are just going to be dropping like flies, pulling muscles, tearing hamstrings, blowing ACLs. It's just it's going to be a disaster. Like that 16-man practice squad is going to get used going forward with some of the guys that are going down 
uh, on Sunday. I pray to God that doesn't happen. I have this sinking suspicion in the back of my mind that it might. Like guys are just going to start going down because they haven't played football since December. And here we are. We're going full tilt uh, because that's what you do on Sunday when the game is real yeah. uh, and everything. It's like I, I really hope that everybody makes it out healthy or reasonably healthy as opposed to the bloodbath that I'm expecting on Sunday. And maybe yeah. that's just the glass half empty uh, side of me. But like I said, I'm just terrified that they're going to go out there and be playing, f- you know, full balls to the wall football on Sunday. And it's just their bodies aren't ready for it. And it's going to go badly. Yeah. I mean, it's a legit, legitimate concern. And I mean, like uh, every offseason, we've already seen a, a little bit of that with with some players. And um, you just kind of hope that they, you know, that the the slow ramp up period that they've had for a month was was enough. But, you know, you know, in the back of the head, back of your head, it probably wasn't. So, yeah, um, you know, just yeah. fingers crossed. So but it's like I like the one game that intrigues me the most right now is Denver and Tennessee. Because mm-hmm. everyone's, especially with Von Miller getting hurt and him being possibly uh, done for the year, like well, and you know, and Bradley Chubb's on a pitch count because of his ACL injury right. and everything that that automatically means that Tennessee's just going to come in and roll him. It's like well, Tennessee's coming into altitude, right? Uh, and I don't think that everybody's at tip top shape like they would be if we were playing real <clears throat> football in the preseason. Uh, if you know, COVID rules didn't mean you had to socially distance in practice. Right. Uh, and things like that. So I wouldn't write off the Broncos just yet uh, on this one. Yeah, they're going to be missing Von Miller and they're getting half of Bradley Chubb uh, and everything. But it's a new year. It's in Denver. It's at altitude. Things could get ugly in the third and fourth quarter for the Titans. Yeah, so no question. It's it's going to be it's uh, that's one I'm going to be keeping a close eye on to see like, oh, Titans off to a 14 nothing stop. Oh, look at that. It's 14 14. It's 21 14. It's. <laughs> 28-14, what happened to the Titans? They just faded in the second half uh, kind of thing. So we'll see. Uh, I'll be you know, biting my nails all throughout that uh, our guys stay healthy and that everyone else in the league stays healthy. So, you know, especially in a year where nobody can scout anything, literally, right. that, uh, to have to, to, to live off the waiver wire when you got to replace God knows how many guys because, you know, half your roster went down with an injury on right. Sunday because they're playing football for real. Yeah. Uh, and everything so we'll see how that goes i i hope for the best uh for sure so uh and hoping for another fun bears lions game the regardless of the records they always seem to be entertaining uh when they take place no question no question i'm hoping for that as well so all right jeremy uh let's see when do we see you guys again december something like that yeah the week after thanksgiving so i don't That's know if right. we if we're creeping into thanksgiving or excuse me into december uh, at that point, I think it is like the first December game yep. uh, of the year. But uh, we'll uh, we'll look forward to having you back, and hopefully, we're talking about a meaningful Bears Lions game late in the season. Hey, if we can shake on it right now, I'm shaking on it. <laughs> All right, Jeremy Reisman, where else can we uh, keep up with you when when you're not tickling our eardrums here on the Bears Talk Underground? Uh, PrideofDetroit.com, all sorts of stuff there. And, and that's pretty much where, where I am exclusively. So we, we have a podcast there that we put up posts for. The POD I'll, cast. Yes, the PO, the, the poorly named POD cast. Best the and worst name podcast of all time. Best and worst name. Number one on both lists, man. Number <laughs> one on both lists, in my opinion. Uh, I'll have a, a, a big old preview that, that'll be based entirely on last year's data because I don't have anything else. Uh, going right. up on Friday. It's called On Paper, so look out for that. And, uh, yeah, 
I'll, I'll be on Twitch probably making a bunch of bears jokes because they're 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 my favorite frenemy. <laughs> and you are my favorite frenemy, Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoy having you on the show despite your your ghastly allegiances. <laughs> so, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming on, man. We'll we'll talk to you in uh, in December. Sounds good, man. And there you have it, guys. I want to thank Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. First, for being a good friend on uh, and always coming on the show when I need him to. And uh, for helping us preview the 2020 Lions and what should, have be, should be an interesting week one uh, matchup. And um, especially after, you know, the, the quote-unquote experts have started um, chiming in with their predictions for the season. Uh, the seven CBS quote unquote experts across the board, seven guys all predicted the Bears would finish dead last in the NFC North. I don't know what they're basing that on. Honestly, I don't. One of them had the Lions winning the division. And they had literally everybody but the Bears finishing anywhere. Well, the Bears were fourth place across the board, but you know, somebody they had the Lions in there, they had the Packers and the Vikings. Not the Bears, fourth place across the board. And of course, who was the head of that that group of geniuses? But Jason Locke and Fora. So take that for what you will. But uh, they're not alone out there in feeling that this is going to be a bad year uh, for the Bears to be a uh, a fourth place finish. And uh, you know, honestly, I think we as Bear fans disagree. They may not win the division this year, but I don't think we're going to be in last place. Um, you know, I'd be very, very surprised and obviously very pissed if that was true uh, with the team that we've put together, the defense that we have for the Bears to finish last. I just I just don't see it. I really, really don't. So uh, maybe that's the uh, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid or rose colored glasses, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, of course, I'm biased, but I, I just don't see the Bears finishing in last place. You know, we could have had that discussion when you know during the John Fox years and and the Mark Trestman years about finishing in last place I wouldn't I would have had a harder time talking you down uh, off of that one but uh, this team uh, like I said I don't I don't I don't have Super Bowl aspirations with these guys Uh, I don't think the playoffs is out of the out of the realm of possibility uh, for this team Uh, and just like you heard me Jeremy me and Jeremy talking uh, for the Lions, their success is going to be based on what their defense can do because their offense shouldn't be an issue. And for us, the defense definitely shouldn't be uh, an issue, and our success will ride with the offense. If the offense can put points on the board, keep our defense fresh, the defense will take care of the rest. It's like I told you, with whether it's Foles or whether it's Mitch, give us 20 points, you know, eat up the clock from time to time. The defense will take care of the rest, man. We got too many horses on that side of the field even without eddie goldman we're loaded with studs and um i'd be very very we'd have to be injured and losing guys for chunks of the season and everything like that for fourth place to be a realistic possibility for us i just don't see it i don't see it so um anyway that's it we made it guys we made it uh, less than an hour away from kickoff for the Texans and the the Chiefs, so I'm gonna hurry up and 
I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up, and then I'm going to order a pizza so that I can enjoy it while I'm watching the game. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Less than 72 hours away by the time most of you are hearing this from Bears-Lions in Detroit on Sunday. And then we'll get things rolling. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. We're going we're gonna to experiment. So I've gotten some feedback from you guys. At the very least, you're intrigued to see how it would be, as am I. Let's give this thing a shot for a week or two, see what it's like. And if it doesn't work, then we'll just go back to the old way. I mean, that's the worst-case scenario here. So come on back Monday for a short, abbreviated Bear Up, Bear Down uh, show. And uh, then we'll be back on Tuesday with the full breakdown, knee-jerk reactions, and so on. Wednesday is the break. Thursday, we'll have a guest on the show. Right now, it's looking like Ryan Dunleavy uh, from NJ.com. We've had him on the show before. And then uh, Friday will be the preview, my preview, my breakdown, what I want to see, maybe a you know, 20, 25 minutes, something like that in there, just a palate cleanser to get you ready for week two when we welcome the Giants into Soldier Field uh, you know, for our home opener. So um, let's... Uh, Let's get through this week. Let's have a good weekend. Let's get a bear victory in there. Let's start the year off right. Uh, Matt Nagy had a great year week uh, in 2018. He had an, a semi-less-than-okay year last year, but both started 0-1. Let's break the streak. Let's you know reverse the trend, get a victory against the Lions, start the year on a positive note, and uh, see where we can take it uh, from there. So uh, that's all I got for you guys this time around. We'll be back on Monday, and until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground. Football is finally here, guys. Let's enjoy it while we can. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch. Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.